You are listening to a conservative review production. Trust, but verify. You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. Welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It is Tuesday, September 20th. And folks, here we are again. More of the same. More terror attacks. More individual jihad attacks in this country. Gosh, it's been a while since we've talked about this, and and that was a good thing. But, you know, today I want to discuss a continuation of our theme over the last couple of weeks, how we don't have a real Republican Party, and what it would look like if we did have a Republican Party through the prism of the news over the weekend with the terror attacks. I want to demonstrate exactly how we can be winning, exactly what we should be doing, both from a policy perspective, from a political perspective, how a real conservative party, actually an American party, you don't even have to be conservative, would respond to this um, while respecting the Constitution, respecting the sovereignty and safety of this country, and how that party would win the hearts and minds of the majority of the country through those policies. But alas, we don't have that. We don't have a real party. And, you know, through that, we'll go through some of the news of the day here. Uh, Just some quick housekeeping notes. Um, I'm going to have posted online my hour-long lecture to the Federalist Society on judicial tyranny, my book, Stolen Sovereignty, what we can do about it, um, what we can do about the tyrannical courts. So that will be posted online. My book, obviously, is still available at Amazon. As always... Help our sponsors, PatriotMobile.com. Don't let your money fund liberal causes. Just stop it. This is a vote that you could use. This is an effort you could use to vote cleanly with your conscience. Um, don't fund some of these mobile carriers that give money to Hillary Clinton's campaign directly, indirectly. Give it to Patriot Mobile. They offer the same competitive plans, albeit up to 5% of the money goes to a conservative group of your choice, just make sure to give them the promo code DANIEL so they waive that initial uh, fee, activation fee. Also, we do have a new sponsor I want to draw attention to. Um, you know, Go to our landing page, preparewithcr.com, preparewithcr.com. You're going to see My Patriot Supply. This is a four-week emergency food supply. Now, look, a year ago, I would have laughed at myself talking about this. I'm not one of these, like, ah, you know, I'm not a survivalist, prepare for the end of times. But you do want to stock up on some things. You want to have your guns. You want to have your ammo. Um, and, and I do think you should have a minimum food supply. I, I, I am definitely at that point, um, given what is going on, given the ubiquitous nature of this homegrown terror threat that we committed suicide and brought in 2 million Muslims over the last 15 years, uh, we've got a problem. We've got a problem. And you're not talking about the end of the world here, but it doesn't take much chaos to make it hard to go out, 
uh, inflated prices, hard to get around depending on where you live. So go to preparewithcr.com. You get a four-week emergency food supply for just $99, 140 servings. I think that's all you need. Again, I'm not talking about nuclear fallout, but to have just something in reserve, this is something I feel we could support, and they are supporting our our work. So thanks so much for indulging me with these announcements. Now back to business. We had three attempted terror attacks slash terror attacks over the weekend. You know, the one individual, Rahami, who was caught in Elizabeth, New Jersey, set off pipe bombs in Elizabeth, New Jersey. No one was injured, but injured about 29 in Chelsea, Manhattan. And he had the Somali stabbing, Somali immigrant who stabbed nine individuals. Some of them are pretty gruesome. It's funny, you know, they say no one was killed, but you look at some of the pictures are pretty nasty. I mean... You know, when we say people are wounded in a knife attack, that, that you know, this is not a paper cut. Um, and and this, this all could have been prevented over the last number of years. We didn't have to do this. Both of these individuals embody everything we've been talking about over the last year or two as it relates to the issue of homegrown terror, individual jihad. The Somali terrorist in, in St. Cloud, Minnesota, was... A refugee. I mean, his family was brought here roughly around 2000, 2001, around that era, um, as a refugee. And the Elizabeth slash Manhattan terrorist, Rahani, he was, uh, I believe, came sometime in the 90s. I don't know if that's clear yet, but his family's from Afghanistan. His father was part of the Mujahideen. But we brought them in our front door. Again, this is not some foreign nation attacking us with an air force. This is not a matter of ISIS coming over here, although he might have had some uh, ties to international terror. It's not clear. But it doesn't matter. I, I would actually say, I would venture to say it's better if they have ties to terror internationally in the sense that you say, hey, if that's the only problem we face, good intel which we, of course, don't have because we're willfully blind. But let's say we wouldn't be willfully blind. Good intel could take care of the problem. You could prevent terror attacks like 9-11. But what you can't protect against is when you bring in so many thousands. Let's say you bring in 2 million over 15 years from the Middle East. Yeah, not all 2 million are going to be problematic, but a heck of a lot of them will be. Thousands of them will be. Um, hundreds of thousands, certainly tens of thousands, will subscribe fully to the ideology and a certain percentage will act on it. And they're everywhere and anywhere. It's very hard to, to fight against that. It becomes just daily, like we're seeing in Europe. And we're not too far behind, as these events um, reflect. Usually it's not the parents, the first generation that comes here, but it's the kids that they either have here or brought here when they were young. There's a lot of socio sociological reasons for that, but there's a lot of evidence that, that really uh, um, paints the picture of the second generation radicalizing even more, and, and this is the problem we have. This issue alone is such an indictment on the Democrats and their policies, and everyone sees it. I actually even see some of the mainstream media starting to snicker at this, <laughs> the willful blindness, the refusal of the Democrats to talk about terror. Republicans could literally win a landslide election if they made the election a referendum on this issue alone. As we've spoken about the last week or two, you got a budget bill coming up. 
As we as we're speaking, Republicans are caving on it. They're caving on that today. They're going to give Obama a blank check, even as Obama is expanding. Meaning, not just the fact that he's in, you know bringing in all these refugees. Th- there's going to be a net increase of twenty five thousand over the previous year, which in itself was an increase of fifteen thousand refugees. Lots of them from from Syria, but you know what? A lot of them from other Islamic areas. Such as da 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 Somalia. And I want you guys to know this Somali immigration business is astounding. There has never been a, a greater violation of, of, our, of our sovereignty, the public trust, than the Somali immigration. Twenty five years after the collapse of their country in the early nineties, we are still bringing in nine ten thousand a year, about nine thousand this fiscal year. Almost as many as we brought in from Syria, which will wind up being about 11,000, 12,000. Imagine that every single year. So we brought in, oh gosh, um, you know, at least 100,000 since 9-11 and, and probably 150,000 dating back to the 90s. 150,000. 30 to 40,000 or so um, were relocated to Minnesota. And j- just think for a minute how dumb that is. Again, if you're really trying to do refugee resettlement in terms of something that will benefit the citizenry of this country, that will also be humanitarian in nature, why would you bring people from the equator to an icebox like Minnesota? But again, this is about social transformation, taking kind of rural states, Christian states, you know, white states, and just completely transforming them. It, 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 it makes no sense. This can be shut off immediately. Republicans can defund it in the budget bill, but they're not doing it. Paul Ryan instead is talking about criminal justice reform. Thank God, by the way, it looks like we we could breathe a sigh of relief at least for you know this term, not this term. Um, I should say for the you know before the election. Watch out for the lame duck, but we'll we'll broach that topic again then. But but that's that's still consuming his mind. Again, if you're a Republican, you would want to take this and hang it around the necks of the Democrats. How dare you engage in this willful blindness? How dare you bring in more refugees and, and have no regard for putting America's security interests first? How hard is it to do that? And, you know, we're, we're going to have a post up today at Conservative Review. You go back to 2002, even Democrats agreed to this. This is what is so crazy. You know, we're viewed as, as oh, right-wingers don't want to bring in a record number of, numbers of Islamic immigrants. The reality is, you go back, what is it, 2002, just 14 years ago, in response to 9-11, Congress passed a bill that dealt with this. Congress passed, um, it was the Enhanced Border Security and Visa Entry Reform Act. It wasn't great, but it, it, it really did address visa tracking, some of the loopholes in the visa programs. And one of the provisions, sex, Section 306, restriction on issuance of visas to non-immigrants from countries that are state sponsors of international terror. <laughs> I mean, exactly what Cruz and now Trump and Rand Paul has a bill, pretty similar. It did have a bunch of loopholes, and in the end, that was its downfall because of the executive discretion, so they wound up gutting it. But but the point is, at the time, this bill passed unanimously in the House and Senate, and it was sponsored by Ted Kennedy and Dianne Feinstein, among, among others. There you go. 
Republicans can't even hold the ground liberal Democrats held a half a generation ago. This is not that hard. But, but, but this is the point. I mean, Democrats are on the hook with this issue. You cannot put lipstick on this pig. You cannot, you cannot sweet talk people into political correctness when they fear for their lives. You could do it, you know, with some of the cultural Marxism where it's just stupid or, you know, ridiculously PC, but it doesn't really harm people's security. When it comes to this, I mean, (laughs) people don't, people just don't want it. They just don't want it. And where are Republicans? They are nowhere to be found. Literally. It's it's funny. You, you, know, you know, you've seen over the last week the news stories with the negotiations of the budget. Well, still haven't come to an agreement. Come to an agreement. The entire point of contention was over small ball. Very small issues. Nothing to do with the fundamental issues of our time. Certainly nothing to do with refugees and, and uh, Islamic immigration. So what would a normal party do that is consistent with our Constitution but protects our society? Um, we, we've a, c- a couple months ago, I, I think this was after Orlando, we, we spoke about the three levels, foreign nationals who aren't here, those who come here but aren't citizens, and those who are citizens. And at each level, there's an appropriate way of of dealing with things there there's an appropriate um you know there, there there's an appropriate constitutional standard that you don't have to trade security for liberty you really don't i mean just following what's in our history and tradition what we've always done when we're at war and in fact not just when we're at war we've never done what we've what we're doing now with this somali immigration and the I read chapter seven of my book and you will see we have never done anything like what we're doing now, bringing in security risk, bringing in so many criminal aliens. I have a lot of good articles on that at conservative review, hundreds of thousands of criminal aliens dispersed throughout our country, not all from the middle East, but there, there is a number of them. Um, and, and you know, nobody even wants to have this discussion outside of outside of uh, Congress, or inside of Congress, I'm sorry, outside of Congress is where we're having it. So anyway, what would we do? So number one, we would ban the Muslim Brotherhood. Okay, straight up, a bill banning the Muslim Brotherhood, designating, designating them as a terror group. What are the Democrats supposed to do? Run the next six weeks on making the Muslim Brotherhood great again? I mean, again, we're not talking about getting rid of Social Security or Medicare. We're talking about getting rid of the Muslim Brotherhood, <laughs> so not too hard. Um, you know, what else could they do? Obviously, pause refugee resettlement. Is it that hard? The people are clamoring for it. And if nothing else, at least stop the increase. Another very important thing is allowing states to block refugees. That is very popular to say, let state communities, local communities decide. And if the governor and the county government, don't, if they don't want it, they, they should decide that. This is something I discuss in, in Stolen Sovereignty as well, Chapter 8, I believe. Um, there, it, This would be very popular, very, very popular. The problem now is this. States are really caught in a bind. I, I haven't written about this yet. I, I wrote about it a little bit, but in Indiana, Indiana tried to block refugee resettlement, and these taxpayer-funded parasitic contract groups that literally get money from us to so that they could hang us with the rope that we pay for. These people make their salaries off of the, 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 the blood of Americans. It's sickening. 
It's sickening. They don't care. Like I, I, I've said this before, mo- most of the persecuted Christians and Jews throughout the world have already been dealt with. I mean, because the Muslims either killed them or, or kicked them out of their lands. So in order to keep this racket of refugee resettlement going, they had to get involved in Islamic civil wars and just bring in Muslims that are radical from all sides. So they, they just don't care. They don't care. But they have standing in court to sue for states to continue funneling services to them for the refugee resettlement racket. But states don't have standing to sue for the, you know, Obama dumping refugees without consulting them. The problem is, and this is the frustrating thing, I, I, I get this all the time, where sometimes people will say, well, Daniel, the courts weren't wrong because the statute does say this and it does give the feds full power over refugee. That is true. The problem is, they're not following 99 other things Congress does on the pro-enforcement side. So all of a sudden, we're going to stick it to the states when you have an existential, existential threat to our country with refugee resettlement. And also, let me just say this. The reason why, and, and I have this in my book. I've written about this, some of the articles, and you know, I'm sure you guys have seen this. I can't even remember. There, there's been so many. Um, the spirit of why... Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution grants Congress plenary power of immigration was not to bring in more people, to screw over the states and force the states to, to bring in people that don't share our values. It was just the opposite. It was to prevent liberal states from trying to juice up their representation, juice up their population by bringing in endless immigrants. That, that's why they took it away from the states. It was it was to do the opposite, and it's the same thing with the 1980 Refugee Act. That was pr- that was sold to the people as actually clamping down on it. It was supposed to cap resettlement at fifty thousand. The problem is Ted Kennedy stuck in a provision lied to the people that after 1983 the president could essentially unilaterally raise that. Now he said in consultation with Congress. The problem is the fine print. There was no enforcement to that, so it's just become. The president just saying to Congress, here's what I'm doing. So this is really very unfair, and Congress needs to address that. Again, let the people and states decide on the, the security, the society that they want to live in. This, this is something that it's, it's an 80-20 issue. Another one, strip ISIS fighters or any, you know, Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab, people that go over to fight overseas and come back, strip them of their passports and, and citizenship. That is something that is constitutional. We've explained that before. Very simple. Build the fence. <laughs> I mean, again, another thing I've always very popular. Visa tracking. We do not have a system exit entry visa tracking that we've been yelling about for 20 years. Congress enacted it six times uh, since 1996. Never has been implemented. Let Democrats run on blocking that after Democrats themselves admitted we need it. Um, this is a big problem. You know, just in 2015 alone, 527,000 foreign nationals overstayed just their tourist visas that doesn't include um dhs has lost track over it's about sixty thousand foreign students um six thousand of them considered heightened concern and that was in 2014 or the last couple of years we've had a tremendous explosion in uh, student visas we bring in about a million foreign students now unbelievable um so that's you know again very easy concealed carry how about have national re- reciprocity for concealed carry. People would eat that up at this time. It would be such a jujitsu on the Democrats. And 
there's a there's a lot of other things we could be doing. You know, I have an article uh, up from Monday. This was a DHS Inspector General's report showing that talk about stolen sovereignty. USCIS has given citizenship to almost a thousand individuals from countries of quote security concerns, aka the Middle East. These individuals who were ordered deported. But what these people did instead of being deported, because they never leave, we have about a million people known in this country to have deportation orders and still remain at large. So these individuals have been ordered deported, they engage in identity fraud or they change their name, and they use that name to go apply for citizenship. And they got it. Because despite the money given to USCIS to check fingerprints, they don't they haven't loaded all the old information from immigrants from the nineties, especially when you, we used to have the INS instead of DHS, USCIS. Uh, they haven't loaded it into the database to this day. Now, what happened to the 854 people they caught that erroneously got citizenship when they were supposed to be deported? Nothing. Inspector General noted nothing. So what about a bill demanding, A, that they track that immediately fing- uh, upload the f- fingerprints into the database, immediately track down all these people and immediately denaturalize them, which th- th- can be done, and deport them? Or how about better? How about a bill to identify the million or so people ordered deported and and, and actually give 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 DHS a benchmark. If you don't deport a certain number, track down a certain number, we're going to cut top executive salaries in DHS by 50%. I mean, there's got to be some sort of accountability mechanism. And again, when you're ordered deported in this country, you're bad news because most people don't get deported. So there's a million who have been and and you you know what it goes through nowadays to deport someone. I mean, I go through this in my book. It used to be you throw someone out if they're here illegally. Now, forget it. I mean, you could have violent criminal aliens. It takes forever to get a deportation order. But these people got it, and they still remain at large. A final point I'm going to bring up in the coming days, travel bans. If we're we're either at war or we're not. So we're at war with regard to spending $3 trillion sending our troops into meat grinders overseas that have nothing to do with anything but refereeing Islamic civil wars, establishing a Sharia government in Afghanistan, and uh, you know, getting six, seven thousand of our troops killed, almost fifty thousand injured since two thousand two. So, if we're at war with regards to putting our troops into a meat grinder, shouldn't we be at war with regards to travel bans? And 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 that's the point. This could address U.S. citizens because a lot of these punks are already citizens. That you know, we should never have given them citizenship, but they are. And you know, there's a limit to what you can do with them ahead of time. But one of the things we've learned, we learned certainly about this latest terrorist, the San Bernardino guy, the Chattanooga shooter, they're all the same. In in the in the couple of years preceding them becoming really devout, radicalized, and acting out in, in a in a individual expression of jihad, they usually travel overseas. Now, if if you're traveling to Pakistan, we need a mechanism in place to deal with that. I mean, A, I do think we should have either a full travel ban or very much regulated and restricted to directly travel from this country to other countries. To be very clear, 
just because you're going to say, well, well, what about a U.S. citizen? You could certainly do that with a, um, an immigrant. And that, by the way, we need to be doing that. If you do not have citizenship, if you are an immigrant, um, and you, you, you've done nothing that we want to throw you out for, we should throw you out if you, if you did do that, but we're not, you know, enforcing that. But, but even if you didn't do anything, but, but if you travel to certain places, you should not be let in until we could verify why you were there. Now, a U.S. citizen, there is, A, a right to expatriate. You always have a right to leave. That That's a fundamental natural law right. Um, and in addition, you do have a right to come back. You know, so we can never deny you entry. But what we can do is you, you don't have a right to travel directly from the U.S. to any particular country directly. Um, I mean, this is something we've always done. We've had the Cuba Cuban tra- travel ban during a time of war. You don't travel to these areas that are problematic. You just don't. So that that we could do it, you know, just right out of the gate, or at least severely restrict it, regulate it. Um, in addition, you'll say, well, what if they travel indirectly to Europe and then go from Germany to Pakistan to Gaza to whatever, and then they fly back through Germany, come here, we see on their passport, it's stamped Pakistan. So again, you know, that is a little bit tough to have something in place to completely, to keep them out of the country, but there's no reason why we can't have a system to monitor it, why that's not reasonable suspicion to at least look into it. And then once you look into it and you find stuff, a reasonable suspicion to dig even more. I mean, this is basic law enforcement, even as it relates to U.S. citizens. It's done on a daily basis inside the country, certainly when you're traveling internationally. I mean, there's no reason we can't do that. And just like someone who travels, a regular U.S. citizen, you know, forget about Islamic terror, just anyone, uh, travels to a country that is just ravaged by disease and they want to come back, so, again, it gets a little hairy categorically banning him, but you can te- you can quarantine him. And if there's no – if it's not feasible to do it inside the country, you might be able to do it elsewhere, at least on a temporary basis, uh, you know, assuming you're not trying to permanently keep him out. But, you know, the quarantining here would look like, well, we got to know what, what you're doing, um, what you're up to. Again, I mean, that is – I'm being very careful here with my language. I, I'm i not one of these that says, hey, throw out the Constitution. We're, we're not like that here. But the point is they're not mutually exclusive. There's a lot of things we should be doing. We discussed here about 10 different ideas. Sadly, not a single one is going to be uh, adopted, even even debated by Republicans. This is what I mean by saying that we are trapped in this terrible vehicle of the Republican Party going over the cliff and there's nothing we can do. Until we get out of this body, we can't even articulate and speak to the common sense of your average American. And I really think all the things we have discussed today, this transcends ideology. We have a lot of problems when it comes to maybe certain fiscal issues and dependency. Certainly the culture has been lost. But when it comes to Islamic terror, the Democrats should be decimated on this issue if we actually had a party willing to pursue them. And and again, you know, I hear a lot of people tell me that look, Daniel, we're gonna need a terror attack on the on the scale of nine eleven, God forbid, for things to really change. And you know, the sad reality is it wouldn't matter. It's not that the people wouldn't clamor for change. It's that we don't have a vehicle to reap that 
political windfall. I hate to talk like that, but you know what I'm saying? If you want to talk politics for a minute, we don't have a vehicle to reap that windfall. Republicans will talk that in very broad sense, like we have serious security concerns. You should have heard Mitch McConnell on the floor after the weekend terror attacks. You know, this just underscores some uh, security concerns. What? I mean, why are you pinning the tail on the donkey and saying the Democrats have brought this garbage in? They've been willfully blind. Nothing, nothing. Nothing will ever change. Because I'll, I'll tell you, to a large extent, the people did wake up. You, know, you saw the two big midterm elections. What do you think they were trying to vote for? Not this. They looked at the Democrats like, we don't want this. We want the opposite. So we have two parties. Well, Dems are this, so Republicans must be this. But they're not. It's Tweedledee, Tweedledum. Anyway, folks, we're just about out of time. But I just wanted to tantalize you guys a little bit with what would a normal, common sense, conservative American party look like? What would they be pushing? What would they be messaging now? They'd use the budget bill. They'd use the defense bill to deal with all this stuff. It would be so simple. Democrats would, would be forced to run the election on issues that don't resonate outside of uh, you know the Upper West Side intelligentsia and the D.C. Intelligent, intelligentsia. This would be a slam dunk election. But alas... We are left without a party. Let's keep praying and and thinking of different ideas. I appreciate your feedback. I I have been reading your emails. I really appreciate it. Those of you who took the time, some of you have written me lengthy emails. Tweet me at rmconservative. Some of your more long-term ideas, what we need to be pushing. But for now, at least we need to stand for what is right, for what is constitutional, for what puts America's security first. Till later this week. Thank you for listening as always. God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.